What happens when two parent coaches, one a Christian and the other an agnostic Jew, sit down to talk about parenting? They take their listeners from surviving to thriving. I'm Dina Thayer. And I'm Kira Dorian. Welcome to Raising Adults, a podcast brought to you by Future Focused Parenting. Hey everyone, it's Kira and Dina back with you, Raising Adults podcast here from the laundry room. If you're just joining us for the first time, welcome to the cozy laundry room. You will smell fresh like a dryer sheet (laughs) and you may be sweaty because it's hot in here. (laughs) So this is super fun today. I fully admit like the the close like the second I would say it's a close second to being a word nerd as I'm a money nerd and we're so thrilled today because we have an author of a book about teaching finances to children and it is a great book it's accessible it's short it's easy to understand and practical 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 I mean full of tools and tips you can start using with your kids right away so really looking forward to interviewing her and hearing what she has to say and I know that Kira is excited too because she has, you know, she has eight-year-olds and I'm like kind of further into this process and I even read the book and was like, oh yes, I just <laughs> loved it so much. <laughs> yes, it was it was pretty awesome getting to talk with Liz. She's fantastic. It's a great interview. You guys are going to absolutely love it. But before we get to the interview, I just want to remind you, please follow us on social media. We are at Future Focused Parenting, Instagram and Facebook. And you know what? If you like our show, subscribe. Subscribe. Write us a nice review. We'll post it out on social media for the world to see. Um, They make us feel so amazing. And as Dina likes to say, you guys really are our marketing team. And guys, we want to thank you because things are blowing up here at Raising Adults. Yeah. UFFPs are awesome. Yeah. It's epic right now. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Please keep it up. We are so grateful. We're just so grateful. We love love being with you every week. You're definitely doing your job. Way to go, marketing team. (laughs) All right. Let's jump into the interview. We are delighted to have Liz Frazier with us today. Liz is the author of Beyond Piggy Banks and Lemonade Stands, How to Teach Young Kids About Finance. Liz is a certified financial planner specializing in financial planning for families and working professionals. She also holds an MBA from Wake Forest University and is a member of the Financial Planning Association and the National Association of Personal Financial Advisors. Liz is married with children, but we're going to let her tell you more about that part. So, Liz, would you please go ahead and introduce yourself a little more fully and tell us about your family as well? Hi. Well, thanks so much for having me on here. I'm so excited to talk with you guys. Um, My name is Liz Frazier, and I live in Westchester, New York. I'm from North Carolina, actually, which is where my family firm that I work with is based in. I work with my mom and brother, which is a lot of fun. Um, And I I have two young kids and then an older stepson who lives in the city. My little ones, my my littlest one, if you were in my office, you would see right behind me, I have a full-size Spider-Man balloon sitting behind me because he just turned four (laughs) and we still have the remnants of his birthday party here. So I have a four-year-old little boy and a six-year-old little girl. Um, And, you know, I mean, they're just a blast and... um, crazy and everything that comes in between, you know, never a dull moment. Um, but yeah, you know, my my life is is pretty crazy between work and keeping up with these two and writing and you know, but it's it's a lot of fun. 
Yeah, that is that is a tall order because you've got things on all kinds of moving parts. And I I definitely resonate, too. I'm in a blended family, too. So I have some kids that I gave birth to and some that I didn't. And that definitely keeps you busy, especially when you're working as well. It's a lot of schedules and a lot of yes. moving parts. But, you know, it all comes together as a really awesome, fun puzzle. Yeah, that's a great description. <laughs> that's great. I love it. So can you tell us a little bit about how you got into financial planning for families and educating children in particular about finances? Like what happened that made you see the need for this work? Yeah, of course. You know, they're kind of um, come from the same place. So I became a financial planner. My mom and brother are both financial planners. And um, when I had my first child, I went into crazy mama bear mode, which everybody knows and everybody experiences in some different way. And mine was, I immediately did my wills, I did life insurance, I started the budget, preparing for childcare and schools and college and all of that stuff. My husband thought I'd lost my mind, but he was, you know, <laughs> doing it. But, um, you know, and, and it made me realize that how important that is. And that really, you know... I had, I'd always kind of considered the field of financial planning, but I just always thought more of the investment side of it, which isn't quite as personal as what I like. And when I, when I had my first child, my daughter, I really realized that that's what financial planning is all about. It's all about protecting your family and preparing for them and, and, and making sure you're prepared and, and protected is a better way to put it. And so I just immediately knew that this is what I wanted to do with my life. I got my CFP. I already had my MBA and had some experience in the field. And I got my CFP, started seeing clients up here. Um, and, you know, what I realized is that talking to clients and talking to other people just as a professional is how intimidated most people are about finances. Um, you know, and, and it's for really good reason and for a lot of reasons. You know, financial professionals love to make finance extremely overcomplicated. And I think that it makes people intimidated because they kind of feel like, well, I have to understand what hedge funds and Bitcoin and, you know, all these just strange random terms. I have to understand these to really understand finance. I just don't understand finance. That's what I hear clients say. I'm not, I'm not the financy one. And what they didn't realize is really there's just a couple basics that you need to know to be financially healthy and that anybody can learn this. Um, so, so one reason was that, that people don't understand finance is because it's overcomplicated. And the second reason is that nobody's teaching finance. So there's no reason for anybody to understand finance, really, because who's teaching it to us? We all kind of learn when we jump into the fire in our 20s and have to manage our own money. And so we're learning on our own. So um, this, this led to this idea of finance should be simpler. Finance should not be um, something that people are intimidated about. And, and how can we change this? And it really came down to this is something that we need to be talking to our kids about. And it goes along with those same conversations that all parents are encouraged to talk to their kids about. We, we hear, you know, from multiple different professionals and media how we need to start talking to our kids at a young age about stranger danger and nutrition and teamwork and kindness. But nobody ever says, oh, and make sure you start talking about money early on because money is still <laughs> kind of taboo. And, and yeah. also a lot of adults are intimidated by it. But it really is one of those conversations to start having early on with your kids. And you're obviously not going to open up, you know, the conversation with your four-year-old about interest rates, but you know, you just start at a very, very simple, basic level, because if they can 
just understand the foundation, just a basic foundation of needs versus wants and priorities and, and kind of what money means and why it's important at a younger age, then they're more comfortable with it as they get older to start learning more about it and learning more complex um, subjects around it. So then by the time they're an adult, they're not scared of it. It's not something they shy away from. It's not something that they ignore and close their eyes and, and don't pay attention to. It's something that they're comfortable with and they can really make the most of it and live a financially healthy life. Yeah, I love that. And I especially love that you highlighted this idea of preparation and thinking ahead, because we talk all the time about this on Raising Adults, that it's really playing the long game. And the way you do that is set yourself up well with this foundation. So I heard you mention a four-year-old, but I want to hear how young you would say you can start this process, kind of teaching children about money. And then what do you think those first lessons should be? What would that look like? That's a great question. And you know, part of it, um, I think, depends on the kids. And I can say now, because my son is four and my daughter's six, I can say that with complete authority. My daughter, I started talking to about this stuff at age four. Um, you know, and I think girls are boy, and boys are different and they're different kids. But I started talking to her about it at age four. And again, it wasn't talking about investment strategies and index funds and things like that. It was talking to her about you know, let's talk about needs versus wants. What's something that we need? You know, and at first it was, she'd say, well, I need ice cream. And I'd like, well, do you need ice cream or do you want ice cream? And it's, you know, it was really I still focusing get confused on, about I know, right? Don't issue. we all? I mean, I need this stuff. And that's fact. <laughs> but, you know, and so, and it was really funny. And she, she grasped it so quickly and really just absorbed it to the point where she'd call me out on things. You know, I'd be, just kind of standing around looking out the window and be like, God, we really need a bigger yard. And she'd be like, Mom, you want a bigger yard. You oh! want a bigger yard. <laughs> so you can start, you can start as early as four. I think my son, on the other hand, is four and just no chance that's getting anywhere near resonating with him. Like there's just there's no way. He needs dinosaurs, he needs Spider-Man, you know, these yeah. it's it's not gonna happen with him. So it'll probably be, you know, maybe next year we'll start introducing it a little bit. But you know, with my daughter and in the next year or so with my son, I introduced needs versus wants and talking about priorities. You know, the holidays were a really good time to do that because she had a million catalogs and she had circled, you know, every other toy in there. And when we were done, I was like, okay, these are great. So these are all the things you want. Now you have to prioritize and pick five out of the 23,000 that you circled. You have to pick five that you really want. So, you know, there's, there's all these kind of lessons, you know, when we start going to the, when we went to the store together and always make sure to have some cash with me. And even if it was just to get a coffee or a muffin or, you know, get her a lollipop, something like that, I'd have her go to the counter and pay for it just to start understanding, oh, I have to give them something in order to get this, um, understand the value of different things. A lot of it is just practice and exposure at a young age. And then we started introducing allowance last year. So I have a question on my list here that I want to ask you. But before I ask you that, I have a question about what you just said. So the question about what you just said, what do you do? I have kids that they don't ask for very much. So they it, it's been a real challenge in a way to try and teach these things because they they don't ask for things when we go into a store, even birthday. It's like, what do you want for your birthday? They're like, I don't know. Like, I kind of have what I need. You know, so um, is there is there a way to still be having those conversations if they're not kind of presenting you with the 
the ability to do that in the moment? Does that make sense? Like, can you manufacture those conversations? This is a great question. And I think that you can. And part of it is going back to, you know, the, the best way for kids to learn anything is for the parents to be a role model. So you can start having those conversations about your own spending and your own budget just to start exposing it to them, just to these, you know, because it's, it's a good point. If your child's not asking you for something, it's hard to say, well, you don't need that. Or, it, you know, it might be a little bit harder to start those conversations. So start talking about yourself and the way that you spend money. So maybe when you're at the grocery store with your child, you can um, say, you know, I really, I, I want to get this cereal, but these two are different prices. You know, can you help me look at this and see maybe, you know, what, I don't know how old your children are. So it depends if they're older, you know, it might be a different conversation, but you can show them um, your own smart shopping with comparison shopping, with looking at the difference between generic brands and name brands. Um, you can talk to them about Maybe you're, you know, on Amazon and there's something that you want. You could say, you know, I really want to get this, but we're having that big trip next month. So I think I'm going to save my money for the, the trip instead. So you can use yourself as an example to show smart spending um, habits. That's fantastic. Thank you. Okay. So the question that I have on my list to ask you is this one. So, you know, you talk in the book about these three main ways that money can be used. So we've got save share and spend. And so as children go into these early elementary years, how do we start to teach them about these three functions? So the best way for children to learn anything is to have the tools to practice with. And and the best way for kids to learn money management is to have money. So I think it's really important um, once you start introducing money concepts to your child to start them on some kind of an allowance. And there's a lot of different ways that you can do allowances. And you know, it's, I always laugh about this, that, that allowance has become this big, great debate among parents. And I totally get why it's because, you know, we're parents and what we do best is we stress about doing something that's going to mess up our kids for life. So of course we're worried if we give them the allowance <laughs> in the wrong way or the wrong amount, they're going to become entitled. And then they're, you know, so, so I get it, but I think that allowance ultimately is such a positive and parents should look at an allowance, um, as just a way to give your kids a way to practice. And so if your child has an allowance, and let's say, you know, the, the way that I like to implement allowances through this kind of hybrid method of the traditional versus the modern approaches. And so, you know, my, my daughter, she gets, she's six years old, so she gets $6 a week. And she gets $6 a week no matter what. There's no chores tied to it. She just gets $6 a week because I want her to practice money management. And that's the goal. Separately, she has chores that she has to do. Um, and she's not getting paid for those because I know the conversations that would happen, you know, in the morning, she'd say, well, I don't, I don't need the money this morning, so I'm not going to clean up my room or, you know, well, shouldn't I get paid for putting the dishes in? So you don't, you don't want your children to think that they're going to get paid for chores. So, you know, she does chores. They're on her own. They're just because she's part of the family. She doesn't get paid for it. And separately, she gets an allowance. And then if she wants to earn extra money, cause I do like the idea of kids understanding that you have to work for money. I'll give her extra, you know, above and beyond chores. I'll say, well, if you wash off the windows, I'll give you $3. Or if you help dad rake the leaves, you know, you can get $5. Um, so, you know, once, once you've kind of built whatever works for your family in terms of an allowance and letting your child have their own money to practice with, um, encourage them to put it into three different jars. And it's a save jar, a spend jar, and a share jar. And, you know, again, this is another thing where parents will ask, well, how much in each one? You know, I hear 80%, 10%, 10%. 
And I really don't think it matters. I think that you can let your child come up with how much they want to put in each jar. I ask my daughter, Maddie, every week, I say, how much do you want to put in each jar? And she usually kind of divvies it up evenly. But I like having the kids choose how much they're going to put in each one because it gives them some control over their money. They're accountable. They're making these choices. They're deciding. So it makes them kind of more engaged in the whole process. Um, and then there's you know a lot of ways to really get them excited. The spend jar is easy enough to explain. This is the money that you bring with that, that you have your child bring with you to target. And, you know, I know that, you know, your child might not ask for a lot of things, but if you're like my child, every time she walks into target, she wants like some awful $3 toy that's going to break in five minutes. So say, <laughs> you, use your spend money. That's great. That's what it's here for. It's your money that you're going to blow on junk and that's fine. <laughs> you're, um, you know, and then the save money, you can help them identify something that they want to save for and um, something that they're excited about and then make it like a big production, make it a big deal. You know, you want to um, come up with those like old school um, thermometer sales charts, you know, where you'd color in until you reached your goal and put the goal. My daughter did this for a Jasmine doll. So it was like a $30 Jasmine doll. And so we, we drew this big thermometer and every time she'd put some more money in the savings, we'd count it up and we'd keep coloring up until she made the goal. But then I created some milestones to keep her engaged and excited. Um, you know, at like $10, I think she got an ice cream sundae. And then at $15, she got to choose the movie for, you know, our, our movie night. And at $20, I matched her. I gave her an extra $5. So just another way to get get them excited and engaged. I mean, just really, when it comes to savings, all you care about is that they're creating that positive habit. Um, and it's similar for sharing. You know, sharing, you just, you, you want to explain to your child, this is money to do good for others. Um, there's a lot of people who don't have as much as we do. And, and your money can make a difference. And once they start saving up money in the share jar, you can start talking about things that they care about. You know, if you've got an animal lover, you can say, you know, there's the, the local animal hospital, we can go and donate, we can buy some blankets and bring them there. Or there's, you know, <clears throat> for, for holidays, you can buy disadvantaged children presents, um, but you just want to make sure it's something that they care about and that they're involved in. Awesome. I, I love that you mentioned the jars and letting them have autonomy over that because I got a lot of kind of flack for that part. And what was so interesting is what people were nervous about is that, well, they're going to, of course, put a big chunk of it into the spend. But when they're little and they have no, you know, when they're younger, they don't really have that connotation of we want the bulk of it for spending. And actually, it gives them room to pleasantly surprise you when they kind of maybe divide it evenly or maybe even leave themselves a little less spending. So I just I'm thankful to you for mentioning that, giving them a little bit of ownership, because they might actually end up with some really great habits where it's not the bulk of it going off into Target, right? So thank you for saying that. But I know Kira has a question, so I'm going to let her go. I'm famous I'm famous on this show for having a lot of questions. You I are. wish, Liz, I wish you could see where we are because we record in my laundry room mm -hmm. and there is a shelf above my washer and dryer that has six jars. Um, save, give, spend, save, give, spend for each of my kids. Uh -huh. And we, Dina and I like looked over and looked at it and we were like, yep, there they are. Yeah. <laughs> but so here's 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 my question cuz this is this has been something I've been trying to do and just miserably failing at for the past 4 years. My kids are 8. Um so what do you do about birthday money? You know what? I think it's the exact same thing as allowance. I think that you want your child to you know, for for me and I, I'm glad that you said that about, you know, that 
that you let your child have um, autonomy over putting their money in, because I think it's so important that your kids feel positive about money management when they're young. That's one of the biggest things. You know, you want them to develop these habits. You want them to feel positive about money. This is most kids' first experience about money. So imagine, you know, going back to the allowance example, if every time they got allowance, they were forced to put half of it in savings. You know, they just feel like, well, this isn't great. You know, (laughs) what if I want to put my money someplace else? And I think it's the same as birthday money. Um, Kids, just like you were saying, kids could surprise you. And if they want to put it all in spend, that's okay. It's okay. It's their birthday money. Let them do what they want. And, and just when they, when it comes time for their next allowance or maybe their next holiday money or something like that, um, you know, maybe say, well, you put it all in, in the spend jar last time. Maybe we should put some towards savings this time, but you're right. When they're little, they don't really get it. And they also, you know, and and this may be kind of tricky on the parents part, but they also want to please their parents. So they kind of have an idea that they should be putting some in each one. And they're looking at you just to make sure that, you know, are mom and dad approving of this? Is this what I'm supposed to do? And so it gets them into that habit early on of just feeling like they should be putting something into um, saving and and sharing each time. So I think it's the exact same thing as birthday money. I mean, as allowance. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. No, that totally makes sense. And thank you for going into your ideas about allowance because we actually were planning to ask you about that. So I'm thankful that you answered it in advance. So now stepping up a little bit in age, what do you think parents should be doing with their older kids, their teens? Is there a sweet spot, a good time to kind of teach teach or at least start introducing some of those more complex financial concepts like credit or interest or investing? What do you think about that? Yeah, I, I think that um as they get older, it's really important and actually necessary to start teaching your kids some of the more complex subjects. Um, You know, I think that it starts with, um, as their piggy banks grow and they grow, you can start introducing the idea of digital money. A lot of people will ask me, you know, in the beginning, when we start teaching, this is such a digital, you know, um, there's, it's a cashless society. So why are we teaching them cash? And I think when they're younger, you really want them to, it to be a tangible thing for them. But as they get older, you can start introducing the idea of um, digital money. Start with a bank account, a simple bank account, open up a checking and savings. Like right there, you've got your save piggy bank and your spend piggy bank. Um, and have them come in with you, have the um, bank manager walk through the, a lot of them have kids programs. They can walk through what the checking and savings accounts mean, you know, maybe give them a tour of the bank just to get, give them an idea of, um, of, you know, this, this digital money. And, and that leads to debit cards, um, credit cards, things like that. But I do think that uh, a lot of parents think that talking to their kids about some of these more complex issues is just, it's uncomfortable and they don't want to stress their kids out. Things like credit cards and student loans and investing. But really, I think parents have to look at this as it's their responsibility to talk to them about that. Because like anything else, if we don't talk to them about it, they go out into the real world and they have to learn themselves. So I think things like credit cards are really important to start telling your child the dangers of credit cards. And that, you know, it's something, it means that you're borrowing money, that you have to pay it back, that you have to pay a fee, you know, go on a calculator and, and show them, you know, one of those online um, calculators that shows the interest that they'll earn and have to pay back. So I think credit cards are really important. I think investing is 
is such a huge opportunity for kids when they, if they learn at a young age, then they're just comfortable with it as they get older. And they kind of get when they're their first job, somebody talks about their 401k and investments. They're like, oh yeah, you know, I don't totally understand it, but I'm not scared of it. So I, I'm, I'm comfortable learning about it. And then I think finally, um, for teenagers, parents have to talk about um, student loans. Because, and that's something that's a really big one with parents that they don't want to do because they don't want to stress out their child. But it is our responsibility to teach kids what they're getting into. Because if they're going to have student loans, they need to um, be a part of that choice to have them. I think parents think that they're doing a favor by not talking to them about it when they're young, but then they're going to come out of school and have $100,000 in debt. And we've got this crisis right now in our country with student loans. And, and they're just kind of like, I, I didn't really, I don't remember signing up for this. And I didn't know it was going to be this hard. And I didn't know it was going to take out, you know, a third of my income. So I think that's something that's really important to involve your child in the finances of college at an early age. Oh, I just want to talk to you all day and ask you <laughs> questions all day. Can you just be in my pocket, please? <laughs> I can talk about it all day, obviously. Well, and I just, you know, I love that I think you really practice what you preach because the way you talk about it is so straightforward and simple is not the right word, but accessible, I guess, is the word I'm looking for. Like, And, and that is what you said at the top of the show is your goal is to not make it complicated and, and make it accessible. And just the way that you talk about it, it's like, I mean, Dina is our financial person. Like she, this is all stuff she does already with her kids. But I, I did not grow up with a, a great background in this and I, we struggle to figure it out. So it, it is so nice to just hear it, hear it accessible and go, oh, that makes sense. I can do that. <laughs> you know, that that doesn't feel scary. Just, I so appreciate wonderful. you saying that. Thank you. Because that's really important to me. I, everybody can understand this stuff. Yeah, yes. I love that. And your book, oh, my goodness, it does such a great job of that piece, of the accessibility piece. And, you know, we keep... Even our podcast, we purposely keep our episodes to about half an hour. We understand respecting people's time and that they're busy. And I feel like your book does the same thing. I mean, you could sit down and read a chapter of that book in 10 to 15 minutes. It's amazing. So, I, I, I mean, that that is a needed thing for people to be able to break it down into these bite-sized chunks that feel manageable and that you're not – it doesn't mean you have a 300-page tome on your coffee table. It's like, oh, I can – I could read a chapter of that today and maybe start implementing a new thing. I mean, yeah, it's really I, helpful. I wish you had seen Dina's reaction when, when you guys sent us the book. Because we get sent a lot of stuff and, you know, we look through a lot of stuff. And she was like, this book's amazing. <laughs> we have to have her on the show. <laughs> Listeners, we're going to talk about the book in just a second. But before we do, um, just curious, like, wh what are maybe one or two takeaways for our listeners that they could just start doing no matter where they're at um, or a principle to keep in mind as they start working to teach their kids about finances? I think there's a couple things. I think um, one is just about exposure, just exposure at an early age, either through your own practices or just talking about money, you know, while we work so that we can, you know, have our house and go on vacation and things like that. So it's just exposure, not being scared of talking about money. I think you really want to make sure that you're keeping it positive. You know, there's a lot of mixed messages about money out in the media. You know, money's evil or it's greedy or, you know, people envy those who are wealthy. So I think you just want to keep the message positive to neutral. You know, money's a tool to use to um, to reach your goals, your life goals. And that's all that it is. Um, so I think those two are really important. I think it's so important for parents to just not be so hard on themselves. You know, I think all parents, most people are intimidated by finance. They're worried they're going to get it wrong. So they don't want to 
they kind of become paralyzed and don't do anything with their kids. And parents need to remember that they've got um, the benefit of experience on their hands. So whether you think you know finance or not, you have been doing your own finances for a long time. You're budgeting, you're trying to save, you're managing your money, you're managing a household. Um, so you, you have a lot of knowledge that you don't know that you have. So go easy on yourself and don't worry so much about making a mistake. The, the more that you can expose your child to money in the beginning, the better. That's awesome. All right. Well, if our listeners want to find out more about you, tell us where they can find you, get your book, give us your social handles, you know, tell us all the things, Liz. Yes, I'm at LizFraser.com. Um, that's my website. The book is available everywhere online that books are sold, you know, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Target, all of those. Um, so I'm on Instagram at LizFraserPet. Um, and I'm Liz Fraser on Facebook as well. Perfect. And we'll put probably your handles in the little blurby thing that goes up for the for each for the episode. Yeah. And we are doing a giveaway of Liz's book. So listener, if you want a free copy of this amazing book, and I'm telling you, you do. You do. Mm-hmm. Um, all you have to do is follow us on social media. So at Future Focused Parenting on Facebook and Instagram. On the post that we post about this episode, so the episode announcement of this post, you are going to comment and tag a friend that you think would be interested, and that enters you to win a free copy of Liz's book. So be sure to do that because it is fantastic. Liz, thank you so, so much, like personally, (laughs) from my personal heart. Thank you so much (laughs) for being with us today. Thank you guys so much. It was so great to talk with you. She's amazing. Yeah, that was... I mean, I got real happy about it. I just, it's just so many things that need to be said that aren't being talked about as much. And it's so practical and important that we set our children up well for success in this area so that we're not sending them out into the world not knowing what's going on. Well, and I loved the idea of allowance being practice. Mm-hmm. I've never heard that before. I mean, it's, it, it makes sense, but it's like I've never heard it put that way. Like, don't worry what they do. They're practicing. It's, a, it's like we talk about with those ongoing conversations about sex and drugs and all these things. Mm-hmm. It's not one conversation. Same idea, teaching money. It's just a series of conversations. And so giving them that chance to pre- – I mean, she's, she's great. I loved her. Yes, and letting some of the mistakes happen while it's really a safe place for them to happen. I mean, we talk about that all the time. So such great ideas. I really hope that – you listeners will jump on our giveaway because if you can get your hands on a copy of that book beyond piggy banks and lemonade stands, you want to. Yeah. So remember, here's how you do it. You go to social media, you find the post of this episode, and you are going to comment on how much you loved it. And then you're going to tag a friend that you think would also be interested in learning more about teaching their kids about money. And that's going to enter you into a giveaway to win Liz's book. She's going to send it to you herself. It's pretty amazing. It's just that simple. Yeah. So be sure to do that. Yes, do that. And have a wonderful week. Raising Adults is produced by Kira Dorian and Dina Thayer and recorded in Kira's Laundry Room. Music by Seattle band Hannah Lee. Thanks for listening. <laughs>